Hey, Grace family. Thank you so much for being here today. Today is December 20th. Have you bought all of your Christmas presents? I hope you have. We're just a few days away from Christmas. I've got my red sweater on because the red sweater is tradition. Tradition for the past 20 years. Yes, Grace Community Church on Christmas Eve this year. Please join us for our Christmas Eve service. We are going on location to the exact place where Grace Community Church began 20 years ago. Christmas Eve 2020, be our 20th anniversary. So please join us for that. But it has always been tradition for the past 20 years that on the Sunday right before Christmas, it's the red sweater. On Christmas Eve, tradition, black suit. I will be in a black suit this Christmas Eve as always. Well, listen, uh, we just had a reading of John chapter 1, and you can see from that reading, if you're familiar with the first book of the Bible, Genesis, then you recognized a an important link with the reading here, because John chapter 1, in the beginning, was the word Genesis, in the beginning, same thing. Scholars say it's a midrash, which what's a midrash? That's a commentary on a book of the Bible. So John is giving his commentary. Right? There's four biographies of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is John's version of the Christmas story, and it is a commentary on the book of Genesis. Now, what have we been focused on? We have been focusing on the very, very central and important need of all of humanity, and that is the need to belong, the need for connection, that we struggle, all of us, all of humanity struggles with loneliness, this sense of something's not quite right, this sense of disconnection. It's really important. And how do we solve this? How do we solve the need that all people have to be connected, to feel this wholeness? Now, you see the Christmas lights there behind me, and I'm holding a light bulb. I want you to think about electricity, electricity in your home and how it is. it needs to run on a circuit. That's how electricity goes. So this light bulb gets fired up because a circuit, a closed and complete circuit of electricity flows to it and back, and it just goes around and around and around. And what happens is, when this light bulb is not working, it's because there's a break or a short somewhere in that circuit. Now, home, shalom, this Jewish word that we've talked about, shalom. Here, interesting. Shalom means to be complete or to be whole. In other words, the circuit is whole. It's complete. It hasn't been shorted out somewhere. Where the break is, where the shorting is, and isn't interesting that the word sin means to fall short, where the break is, is causing there to be a lack of lighting up the bulb, a lighting up of the Christmas lights. There's where the problem is. So we have to close the circuit. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel the prophet says, he sees God and he says, God is a wheel within a wheel. So there's a circuiting. You look at our earth. Our earth circuits the sun. The solar system circuits. And we are meant to also circuit, to be in a closed circuit, a complete circuit. Fascinating that John Milton, when he wrote his epic poem, Paradise Lost, which sealed him as a great writer, he's writing about 
paradise in the book of Genesis. And, and he links, he links Satan to loneliness. What is loneliness? Loneliness is a break, a short in the circuit. So this is what we're after. There's the background to all this. How do we close the circuit? How do we move towards it? So this is what we said uh, so far in this series is that polarity does not work. Polarity will not close the circuit. Polarity actually opens the circuit up more. It, it shorts the circuit even more. It comes natural to us. We think, okay, look, I'm just going to get around people who are just like me. I'm going to polarize from other people. Now I can really belong, but it's not working. I mean, it comes natural and we're doing it and we're polarizing more and more. And yet we're finding ourselves farther and farther from home, lonelier and lonelier. Paradox works. Jesus is a paradox. We follow Jesus, which means we're following a paradox. That actually brings us home. Huh, interesting. What did we say last week? Responsibility. That the book of Genesis presents to us four clear areas where humanity was irresponsible. There was personal, moral, collective, ontological. And every single time we make that choice to be irresponsible in that way, we are breaking the circuit. Over and over and over again, we're feeling this massive disconnection in our lives. Now, I did not mention one really, really important area of responsibility, and that is the responsibility to actually respond to the very love of God. And that's what I want to focus on today. When we respond and we say, you know what? That's it. I understand God's love. And now I'm going to make that response. And my question is going to be, have you responded? Because as you respond to the incredible love of God, when you respond, when you say, that's it, I am going to respond to God's love. There's where the transformation begins. There's where the true self is found. And there is where the circuit begins to close and the lights come on. There is a light inside of you and it comes on. Now, I think about, when I think about this, I really think a lot about my father-in-law, Big Russ, who passed away a couple years ago. He believed, he believed in God, he believed in God's love, but he never fully, truly responded. And finally, one day he said, you know what, that's it. It's kind of like that drawer in your house. We've got one in our kitchen and it's a total mess. And one day you say, you know what, that's it. In my home right now, uh, in our hallway upstairs, we have a light that's out. And I just week after week, I'm just letting it go. I'm saying, you know, one day I'll change it. And finally, I can say, that's it. Or that corner in the garage or whatever it might be, a mess. I've got a bunch of papers that need to be filed on top of our filing cabinet. And you know what? One day, they hadn't hit yet, but one day soon, I'm going to finally say, that's it. I'm filing all that stuff. I'm asking that maybe today would be your day. You would say, you know what? That's it. I know about the love of God. I believe in God. But you know what? Today is the day that I'm going to respond to the inevitable, powerful, transforming love of God and say, that's it. Today's the day. I'm going to explain that more, but first I want to say this, that Christmas is absolutely inevitable. John chapter one, the reason I said a few moments ago is that it is a midrash or a commentary in the book of Genesis is because Genesis tells us right from the very first chapter, it lets us know that Christmas is inevitable because God's love 
is inevitable. That Jesus is coming. He's going to show up. There's no doubt about it. And you get that from Genesis chapter one. Now, if you could read Hebrew, and maybe some of you do, I don't. I have to rely on scholars who are fluent in Hebrew. If I could read Hebrew, then I would know that there is this huge wash of sevens, 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 because it's all about a covenant. Covenant is an unbreakable promise. God is like saying, I am, I am just cementing myself. I am bound. I am committed in an unbreakable promise to all of my creation. That's you and that's me. And because of that, doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter how much we disrespect or reject or fail to meet our promises to God, that his love is coming. And so Jesus is going to show up. That's why Christmas is absolutely inevitable in our lives. That's what I hope to show us today. Now, I want to point something out in verse number five of John chapter one. And it says this, the light shines, the light, Jesus, light stands for anything that's good. Light, love, life, it stands for anything that's good. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That simply means this, is that Jesus Christ is coming and there's nothing you or I can do to stop Jesus from showing up. There's nothing we can do to stop Christmas from happening. It's like the sun rising. It's like the dawning of a new day. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. There's nothing can stop it. It's going to happen. As I said a second ago, doesn't matter how many times I disrespect or reject or fail to keep my promises to God, God is going to show up in your life and in my life. His love is going to break through no matter what. Now, I want to go back to something that I learned early on in Bible college. Very foundational theology 101. If you've been around church for a long time, you've probably heard it. Or if you've never been to church before and today is the first day you've ever shown up to church, maybe you've heard a hint of it or you've thought it somehow because it's a thought of humanity. So here it is. God needs nothing. God needs nothing. What do you think about that? I've heard it all my life. God needs, he doesn't need me, doesn't need you. God needs absolutely nothing. I want to read to you a verse from Psalm number 50 that kind of sort of supports that, that thought, that theological thought. Psalm 50 verses nine and then verse 12 say, I have no need, God speaking, I have no need of a bull from your stall or a goat from your pen. And then goes on, God says, God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. And a lot of theologians use that in other places in the Bible say that God is self-sustained. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. God doesn't need anything at all. Now, that's kind of sort of maybe a polemic against this thought that all of the myths that exist in those days when this was written, that the gods created humanity because the gods needed slaves to serve them, to feed them, and to sacrifice to them. And yet God creates humanity in the book of Genesis, not because God needs something from us, but because of love. That we have been created out of the love of God. Now, we see that because humanity reflects that. Remember, we're in the image of God, is that when a man and woman, when they come together and they make love, they create life. And God, out of love, creates life. 
So humanity comes together when we make love, we create life and God creates life. John, first John actually, chapter four says this so well. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is sins? Broken connection. Short circuit. Out of relationship. No longer circling. God sent his son to sacrifice for those shortnesses in our lives that are actually making our lives a total mess that we don't want. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love, and here it comes, is made complete. The circuit is no longer broken. The electricity is flowing. The lights come on. The circuit is complete. His love is made complete in us. First of all, everybody, God is love and love is needy. I don't completely agree with this foundational thought that was communicated to me that God needs nothing. God is love and love is needy because love needs to give Love. That's why you and I exist because love needs to give love. Love is compelled to give love. That love has a passion to give love away. Now there's an old story. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you haven't, but this happened. I don't, th- I, I think the setting for this was maybe like a hundred, 150 years ago. It was about a young married couple. They had no money. Man, they were so poor, but Christmas time was coming and they agreed with each other. You know what? We're not going to give gifts. We're not because we are so, so poor. We're not going to give gifts. The one thing that the wife had was her long hair. She didn't have much of anything because they were so poor, but she had long hair. And the one thing that the husband has is he had a beautiful watch. But he didn't have a chain to put it on, but he had a watch. So they agreed, we're not going to give something to each other. But you know what? They loved each other so much that secretly she went and she sold her hair. That's why I'm saying this is like 100, 150 years ago. Has her hair cut off. She sells her hair to buy a gold chain for the one possession that her husband has, and that's the watch. And what does he do? He goes and he sells his watch, unbeknownst to her, to buy a beautiful clip that went in her hair. And on Christmas day, here they come and presents this. She's cut off her hair and he presents the clip. He has sold his watch and she presents, she presents the chain that goes to the watch. You know why? Because even though they agreed to this, love is needy because love has a very, very strong passion, a need to give love. God is love. So God has a passion. God is needy. He needs to shower his love on you and to shower his love on me. And that is why Christmas is absolutely inevitable. It's coming like a freight train and it absolutely cannot be stopped. Now, I was looking at Washingtonian Magazine recently. I don't know how many of you check out Washingtonian Magazine, but there was a Q&A in there with Arthur Brooks. Arthur Brooks, who is uh, on the faculty at Harvard, 
Uh, he's doing this Q&A in Washingtonian, and I found it fascinating. So I actually listened to a podcast he did with a social scientist recently, and they were talking in this pod, they were talking in his podcast. And this guy, this site, I think he's like University of California. I can't quite remember, but I totally remember what he said. He said, isn't it fascinating, Arthur, that we, the moment we, like for those of us who have kids, right? This, this thing that takes place. He said, all this, you're presented in a moment's time. You, your first introduction to this child of yours in the delivery room is they're slimy and they're screaming. And boom, this child is handed to you and you have just met them and they're screaming and they're slimy. And your first thought is, I'll die for you. Like you didn't think that when you met your spouse for the first time. You didn't think that when you met anybody for the first time. But boom, put into your arms is this child slimy and screaming. And your first thought is, I will die for you. It's a powerful emotion. It's an immediate emotion. And it comes from love because you are ready not just to give a hair clip or a, or a watch, a, a, a watch band, a, a, the, the, the cord for the watch. You're not ready. To, you're not ready just to give that. You're ready to give your entire life because that love is so powerful. That's a tiny glimpse. That is a very tiny glimpse of God's powerful love. God is very needy because God loves you so much. God is compelled. God is compelled to give. Now, I was at a conference not too long ago and a guy who was a senior VP for Coca-Cola was speaking uh, to us. He's talking about his time at Coke. He spent a lot of time at Coke and then he transitioned an important point in his life and he left Coca-Cola and he went to the baby Einstein company. And so obviously they cater to families who have young kids. And he said he realized that nobody had ever done an extensive study because his job at Coke was doing all kinds of research data about how to get people to change or what makes people cause them to make these decisions of change in life. So he goes to baby Einstein and he realized... Nobody's ever done this extensive study on young married couples who have just had kids. And he says, he found that fascinating because young married couples who have just had kids have a major transformation in their life. He says, just think about this for a second. You got a young, hip, cool couple and they say three very strong things. They say, you know what? We will never live in the suburbs because they live where all the cool people are in the middle of the city. We'll never live in the suburbs We will never, ever, ever drive a minivan and we will never, ever quit our jobs no matter what. He said, then they get pregnant and they have a baby and within a week they've moved to the suburbs, they've bought a minivan and they're arguing about who is going to get to quit their job to stay home with the baby because they love the baby so much. That this baby that they've met slimy and screaming, they're ready to die for, has totally transformed their lives. That this love that is come into their lives that they have responded to and opened their arms to and wrapped their arms around this child has completely transformed them. That their lives have been turned upside down and things they said they'd never do, they absolutely do because that love is so transformative. Isn't that fascinating? What I want to ask you today, have you ever come to that point where you say, you know what, that's it. Today's the day. I'm going to fully respond to the powerful and transformative love of God. Most of us, as I, as I talk and as I read about people, one common thing I hear all the time is, you know what? I feel there's a true self inside of me that's just waiting to come out, waiting to be discovered. The way it's discovered is by closing the circuit and allowing the light to come on, by responding fully 
to the love of God. Have you done that? I want to ask you that you would do that today. So I would like to pray for you, but I really want to pray something very specific. I want to ask you to consider doing this day or just thinking very deeply. Have you ever done this? Christ's love for you is enormous. And when you say, that's it, I'm going to respond, you're closing that circuit like the light is coming on inside of you. So I want to ask that you would pray something with me along these lines. God, today is the day. That's it. I'm fully responding. I just don't believe in your love. I am responding to your love today. I am fully taken in it. God, I'm not going to be perfect. That's not saying I'm perfect from this point on. I'm not going to be perfect. But what is going to be for sure is my response today that your love for me is transformative and I am receiving that transformative love and I am fully embracing it, that the light might come on in my life. All kinds of stuff might happen from here, but I am embracing the fact that your love for me is perfect and complete. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, As so many of us are praying right now, God, we know, we know we're going to need your grace because we will never be perfect, but we are embracing and fully responding to your perfect love for us. And we will rest assured in that complete circuit of your love from this point on. We fully embrace that, God that we might be our true selves. Thank you, Lord, for your transformative, perfect love. In Christ's name, amen.